0: Hello and welcome to the Rugby Sevens roller coaster. We're here to take you on the ups, the downs, the twists, the turns, and the excitement that is Premier Rugby Sevens. The sports league taking over the US with some of the best athletes our sport had to offer. I'm Dallas, Stafford, former USA Sevens player and current World Rugby commentator.
1: And I'm Robin MacDool, former Canadian Sevens player and current international coach. Together, we will bring you the latest PR Sevens news. Welcome
0: to your new home for Sevens rugby.
1: They were not sure they were getting the win. It took a moment for the bench to react. The Retrievers had 19 straight points, but a dagger by Odendahl. And that will be the final, a 22-19. Ball comes out to the hands of Simon Taffa.
2: Looney's getting. A little loose with their play, but can they get in the tries? Do we have ourselves another winner? And it is Gonzalez, the woman born right here in Minneapolis, Minnesota.
0: Hello and welcome to episode seven of the Rugby Sevens Roller Coaster, a North American-inspired podcast that focuses on the world of sevens, especially the Premier Rugby Sevens. We're just a few days away from the Western Conference Finals, which take place at PayPal Park. In the Bay Area, Saturday, July 15th, you'll see five hours of entertainment in San Jose. Four franchises are looking to create havoc in this eight-match tournament. It sees the hosts, the Golden State Retrievers, the Northern Loonies, the Rhinos ex Soka Loggerheads, and the Rocky Mountain Experts, featuring both the women's and the men's side. Last time around the finals, both finals were decided by just three points each. Make sure you get your tickets at PR7s.com. Starts at just $25. You will have an absolute blast. I guarantee it. All right, today we preview the thrilling Western Conference finals as we said coming up in Northern California. And on this episode, we speak with former USA Eagles Sevens captain and current head coach of the Golden State Retrievers from the women's side, Kelly Griffin, plus England and Great Britain legend Dan Norton. Scarier than a root canal, he is the all time leading try scorer on the HSBC World Rugby Sevens series. It is a lot to catch noughts between Rob and myself. We've tackled him zero times in the series, but we were able to get him on the Rugby Sevens roller coaster. And that is the first, Rob's. Yeah, it's
1: so great. He was he was so lovely actually in uh, in Minnesota a few weeks ago, Dallin, uh, Just to see him outside of his his England world, I saw him on the circuit this year, porting Simon Amor with Japan. But he seemed really light hearted, really relaxed, and he took it all in. And he was just one of the boys. So for him, I think he's playing free and just enjoying uh, this this PR sevens landscape in North America.
0: Yeah, it's so great to see him still playing the game. Of course, recently retired. I got a chance to interview him when he was uh, finishing and hanging up the boots. But that's the thing you can't keep an electric eel down like that so rob we are all eyes focus on san jose california of course first give us a bit of insight though as that whistle went you obviously won the tournament in the last event in minnesota what did you and your team get up to over the last few weeks
1: yeah well first of all because of the the storm delays uh, i don't think we kicked off to like ten forty three or ten forty seven. so uh, we got back to the hotel pretty late and and uh everybody stayed out of trouble because uh everybody had to get on a flight very soon so that was good For me, I had a uh, had some family time was back in Saskatchewan with my wife uh, at a reunion. So that was great to kind of switch off for a bit. And then uh, after uh, after a few few days out of the city, I was I was back online and just obviously uh, going through film. But uh, for me, less about uh, the technology these days and more about the athletes. So just really connecting with the athletes. A number of them recovery, but actually a number of them actually been uh, a back training. Some of them got called into the National 15, senior and junior Canada sides, as well as others back training with the uh, with the National 7 side.
0: And looking ahead, of course, you know, we, we talk about the points on offer and things like that. So as a coach, you know, are you acutely aware of that? You mean, you must be of course, but are you just focusing at one game at a time and things you can control?
1: Yeah, as we're all aware, and, and I've mentioned on uh, the previous pod, you know, definitely Definitely raises the stakes i think it makes you better uh, for me I, I accept it as a challenge to put in the work uh with the athletes with the staff and uh you just have to be far more detailed orientated it's not a tournament it's uh it's a semi-final final so it's uh it's all business you don't have time i kind of like it though because a lot of teams when you go into that first game they're a bit sleepy and you just can't be sleepy thankfully we have have the team to to compete right off right off the whistle and as as Griff uh, mentioned on this episode Dallin, uh you know, every game is going to be so tight in the Western Conference because everybody wants to go to D.C.
0: Well, I know there'll be no sleeping when mm-hmm. you're involved. Well, after 17 cups of coffee, and that's just for breakfast that you have. And, and Robs, I want to talk about the last event, though. So what were some of your key takeaways or learning lessons from that first tournament in Minneapolis?
1: Mostly from, from, I think, probably all the coaches, just understanding that for these teams and for these athletes, it was really their first dance together. And it takes time to find and build those connections on and off the field. Uh, for what we could control off the field, our prep was very, went very smoothly. I was very pleased with how the girls got on, and lastly, all the teams, men and women, seemed to get on very well on and off the field. I think season three with three returning franchises, a number of coaches and players mixing in different teams, and obviously the Premier Sevens uh, logistics team and staff is is humming year three. So overall, it was uh, it was a pretty smooth week in Minnesota.
0: Yeah, and I know some squads have also made some changes. Some were on, you know, on purpose. People weren't available. Some were coming back from injury, picked up knocks and bruises. Do you have quite a few changes for this weekend in your squad?
1: Yeah, actually, we, have, you know, Richie Walker head of scouting. So that's a lot of changes for the for the you know the week one winners. But uh, I was out of my control. Uh, unfortunately, we lost Paige Thompson. She uh, she's a recipient of a, a left caliper backflip uh, accidentally. Um, so she'll be out, but hopefully, uh, hopefully, when we go through to the final, she'll return to our, our squad. And and we have three, four other changes that again they've been called into the national team uh, based on their performance. So that's that's a great problem, and and uh, we get to welcome other players into the squad. But throughout, I think almost all the teams are for the women's side anyway. There's a number of the top global players that are coming back from Japan. So we have Tammy and Jimmy welcoming the Brazilian flyer Bianca Silva. And I know both in the East Conference and West Conference, men and women, MLR finishing and stuff, you're going to see some exciting players and you're going to see some other development players with obviously the women in a pack for U20, U23 and senior women's.
0: And Rob's one thing I want to mention as well, some people might be aware that you can field just two tier one players. So of course, how is that player determined? It's a certain number of games. So we're seeing Richie Walker on the weekend and he said, we did say you call more than his wife does. So I know you were just getting the updates from him there, but that is interesting, right? So each team can field those two players, uh, whether they choose or not to.
1: First of all, who doesn't love talking to Richie? Uh, number one. <laughs> number two, I love him because he's a beauty. But uh, but yeah, it's to keep the league uh, even and fair. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, I, I think for World Series players, you have to, i have played in like 10 plus tournaments uh, within the last year or so, like not 10 tournaments last, within the last year, but you need to be an active World 7 Series player or been to a World Cup in 15s. There's diff- st- different stipulations for that. So for example, we have a few players that have you know have played on the world series but haven't played on the world series like carolyn crossley for for like three four years right they've taken a hiatus for education so they would classify differently but uh but yeah for me honestly uh most of our players are actually tier three tier fours and, and giving them a shot to play up and you imagine being a young player uh and, and being a walk-on and getting to play with the Lev kelter or or with ruby Tui like and stacy walk and that like unbelievable experience and then for these north american athletes you know what a what a great way. Like you imagine, just playing with your heroes, right? When you're you're a young South African kid and you get to play play with uh, you know someone like me. I don't know somebody that level.
0: And no, I agree. It's um, unbelievable. Uh, and, and speaking of Stacey Walker and that Eastern Conference, those teams are watching closely. They play on July 23 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'll see them there. Um, I did see Stacey Walker this past weekend. She was fresh from celebrating because her brother played with the New England Free Jacks that just won the MLR title, their first ever, and it took place in Chicago. It was epic. But yeah, that Eastern conference looks pretty stacked as well.
1: Yeah. We'll be looking forward to watching them as well. Obviously like the first, the first uh, week we watched them and then it's back to back Western conferences. So they're looking over the fence. Hopefully uh, in a week's time, I'll be, I'll be sitting on the couch uh, cheering for uh, for our friends in the east but uh super exciting and again similar to the west you know it takes time to figure 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 things out as a player like you think about any sport you go growing up or a club season you you might have like 100 practices or 70 practice throughout season and play however many games this is like you have a week so for our coaches we gotta build that culture organize plan the warm-up all those different things get people to get, get along and then put them on the field and perform. Otherwise you don't go to the next show. So the Eastern Conference will be heating up for sure.
0: Yeah, high stakes, high drama. Forget global warming. The Premier Rugby Sevens heating up like never before. CBS Sports Network will show you the finals and all the important knockout matches also available on the PR Sevens YouTube page. Get your ticket for San Jose. Support this beautiful game with so many cultures and people from around the world represented. PR7s.com, your new home for Sevens Rugby. You'll see the schedule there, social media links, everything you need. You can even catch up on the previous tournaments as well. Big thanks to our hydration partner, GoodSport, apparel partner, Samurai, and the superb staff at the PR7s. It's time now for episode seven of the Rugby 7s roller coaster, former USA international Kelly Griffin and England legend Dan Norton. We hope you enjoy you sleek sensations. We're so fortunate to have yet another Olympian on the roller coaster. former USA Sevens Eagle captain, current head coach of the Golden Retrievers in the PR Sevens. Welcome, Kelly Griffin.
2: Thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: Kelly, a bit of famous rugby history here for us as well. This is the first time I'm talking to two coaches that are going head to head against each other in the Premier Rugby Sevens, but have tattoos of the same team. Special memories from years gone by, right?
2: Oh yes, that was that was a special moment for that first season and I'm so proud of it, but we'll see the Retrievers players are challenging me, so we'll see what happens this year.
0: That's right. Those, Looney's victory in the inaugural season was fantastic in 2021, but we can fast forward now a couple of years, as you said. You tossed to lead the new franchise, the Golden Retrievers. You have uh, you took on side, the PR7's final. The opening event, of course, went down to the Y in Minnesota. Can you take us back to that event in June? What was it like going against, you know, friends and former, former colleagues of yours.
2: Yeah, that tournament was in a really exciting tournament. Um, nothing, you know, I think the West conferences, especially on the women's side, just went down to the last seconds of every match. So I'm really excited to see the level of play and the level of competition. Um, and really, that tournament could have been anyone's tournament. So it's exciting to get another crack at it this weekend.
0: Yeah, that's the, the great thing. And we coincidentally called this the roller coaster because that's exactly what sevens is and i was on the edge of my seat in that game and again it obviously it gives you it gives you all heart attacks being on the side but a, but what a thrill man
2: yeah i'm really like any you know any little mistake in sevens especially in this league like gets punished so it's really holding us as coaches and as athletes to a high level of play
1: well, I think all all eight games, men and women, were were won or lost in you know in the last minute or two or an in injury time, as we saw. But oh, yeah. first of all, for me, first of all, for me, Griff, I uh, just want to thank you for the opportunity to work with you the past two seasons. Your assistant coach, you were truly one of the best people I've ever had the pleasure of knowing and working with. And what stands out for me is the way you see the game, your calm, professional demeanor, which is always nice for me because I'm always crazy. And of course, your desire to win. But uh, changing gears this year, how is your build up to season three PR 7 helping launch another franchise and what does it mean for you full circle to be leading your home region Golden State in front of your friends and family this coming weekend?
2: Oh that, that was a lot of questions rolled up into one there. Um, I guess to start with your last question I'm really excited to be coaching the Golden Retrievers. I am a Bay Area kid, grew up in NorCal, you know grew up cheering on the local Bay Area teams and to be now be part of a professional franchise in the Bay area is really exciting. Um, I think the crowd's going to be great. When I heard about the expansion and the league, you know, reached out and said, Hey, would you be interesting in coaching this team? I immediately jumped on the opportunity to represent my home state. So there's that. forget what your other questions were.
1: Yeah. Sorry. Just, just asked you what, uh, what it was like building a new franchise and what was your off, off season like?
2: Right, yeah. So we started building this team back in January when our first draft was. I didn't have any players as a new franchise as the other expansion teams. So it was exciting to go to the open trials, um, see who was out there, and as the league builds, get a lot more excitement from some of the world-class international players. Obviously, we've got Ruby Tui on our team, um, so it's great to have her leadership and just, you know, energy, bringing it in and um, the other players, we've got some local players from the B area. So they're bringing in their energy, they're bringing in their fans. And I think we've really set a good standard of what our team culture are and what our team values are. And now from that foundation, we can keep building.
0: Yeah. Griffin, you talk about those international stars. I mean, how immense was Ruby Tui in that first tournament? You mentioned the leadership she brings to the side. But that must be cool because you also have a history as well. She mentioned, you know, you guys went head-to-head back in the day. So it's pretty pretty full circle there also, isn't it?
2: Yeah, uh, we joke that uh, Ruby Toohey crushed my Olympic meddling dreams. Um, not really. They won that game. Fair and score is a great game. But yeah, we do have a long history playing against each other on the series. But with rugby, there's a lot of mutual respect um, and mutual friendship off the field. So it's really cool now to be working with her. I'm on the same side and especially in the united states and in the women's game we're all really on the same team of trying to build the sport mm-hmm. even though on the field we're trying to win but in the bigger picture it's all about building the sport going forward
0: yeah that was one of the big gets for premier of getting ruby here any other changes to your squad or any changes you know from what the fans have watched in their first tournament to now
2: um, we got a, uh, an exciting pickup we got jazz gray coming in for this tournament for a trade or she was released so we were able to pick her up to add some speed on our wing um we have a couple other changes coming in from our extended roster i'm excited to see what the rest of our roster can do and bring um and then go from there
1: and uh griff what were some of your key takeaways from your team's performances in minnesota and which one of your retrievers really stood out for you or one or two of them
2: mm. i mean rugby's you know ultimate team sport right um, especially in sevens, you can't hide. So it'd be hard to pick out one. I think our takeaways as a team is when we play together, we talk about, you know, where the retrievers were dogs. So when we play as a pack, when we're playing together and not as individuals, um, is when good things happen. And so we got to keep building on that pack mentality.
0: I like all the puns thrown in there. We need to get you in the commentary booth to to get some one-liners as well. Oh yeah,
2: um, there's so Griff- many. The Retrievers <laughs> is a great it's a great mascot. It's so, so many things we can pull in and become part of our team identity.
0: Exactly, it really is. Now we need to talk about the high stakes because this is what Sevens is all about, particularly with the Premier Rubbing Sevens is. All right, so this weekend at PayPal Park, we have... Only two teams that can advance to the Western Conference, from the Western Conference to the championship in Washington, D.C. Now, I need to go over because the audience watching needs to be clearly aware of the points. So the current standings are we have competition points for the Loonies. They have 13. Your side, the Retrievers, have six. The Rhinos, X logheads have three. And the Experts have one. But what is amazing is the points now change for this weekend. The winner will get 19 points. So let's say the Experts come out of nowhere and win the tournament; They could Book their ticket to the championship which is pretty amazing second place gets 11 points followed by five for third and two points for fourth so it really is anyone's game oh, how yes. does this how, exactly how does this play into your thinking and, and your selections of course coming into this tournament this weekend
2: yeah it's the way they have structured the point system it makes it very exciting it makes every game like must win basically and for us it's you can't get ahead of yourself right so first job is winning that first game and getting us into the final Um, And then once we're in that final, then we see like, all right, who are we playing next? What's our next job? And just really staying focused on executing those little bits and trusting if we do those little bits right, that it will get us, get us through and yeah, just making sure we, we had some messy mistakes, some poor decision-making, some bunching, and we just got to clean it all up.
0: Well, at least they have a calm coach and a calm head in yourself, because I would absolutely lose it down the sideline. I mean, probably like Robin does.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I certainly used to, but not as much these days. Now your first matchup in the semifinal will be against the Experts this Saturday with the home home ice advantage, as we say in Canada, going toe-to-toe with one of your former teammates and one of your best friends, Irene Gardner. How do you see that matchup and, and uh, what's your team's focus?
2: Yeah, Experts have a little bit of a home ice advantage too, since Irene is also a Bay Area um, person and still still lives here, so... It'll be a really good match. Um, We didn't get to play them the way it's worked. We didn't get to play them in Minnesota. So it'll be a new challenge to see a new team. Um, They did come in fourth. But like I said, all those games were won on the last one. We won on the last one. So it could go really either way. So I'm excited to see what will happen. But with Rugby Sevens, you never know.
0: You never know. And Griff was going to say, the fact that I've got two head coaches here in the women's division, I've got to shoot across to Robin here. Robin, your first game in San Jose is the Rhinos Ex SoCal Loggerheads, the longest name in franchise history. But they uh, they have so many star players. In fact, this weekend, I was out at the Perry Baker Flag Rugby X Charity Series and they had five Olympians from Rhinos Rugby, two from the men and three from the women. We tried to match them. We obviously got Rhino like Park cars. Can you preview your loonies taking them on in the semifinal?
1: Well, uh, working with Griff last year, that was like a big goal of ours because they were ranked number one going into the last stop in in Texas, and and uh, uh, we were able to get the better side. But obviously, it's very much a different different team. Similar to Griff, you're going to get a vanilla answer. Like obviously, it's uh, just you know we got to control what we can control. But uh, yeah, we I'm confident that we have the game plan to to uh to go through to the final and uh, and not so much the gone plan I, I i have a lot of confidence in the athletes mostly so but uh but again uh, i just i just hope i don't have to smoke a whole pack of cigarettes at 14 minutes like uh like minnesota but uh, yeah it's going to be it's going to be exciting
0: well we can't wait griff we want to thank you for joining us as well people are going to get their tickets starting at 25 dollars each it's going to be sensational the finals on cbs sports network will be tuning in from around the world all the best with your golden retrievers and of course going against your friend robin this weekend he is a bit of a loony
2: yeah it fits him well
0: (laughs) shredded done thanks very much kelly i
2: just had to just had to throw it in there (laughs) lots of respect from you too over here
0: No one has ever come close to his try scoring abilities in the game of sevens. It's rugby royalty, the Prince of Sevens, Olympic silver medalist, the brilliant Dan Norton. Nortz, thanks for popping on the roller coaster, my friend.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: Now, listen, buddy, it is so great that you're playing in North America. You're joining the PR7s. You've played for the Loonies already to one tournament. Let's first start with the development of the game in North America. What are your thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, like the, again, the, the excitement about being involved with the PR sevens was the fact that it was growing rugby in America. Obviously, playing there six, seven, eight times in Las Vegas, in uh, in LA as well, and stuff. So there's there's obviously a, amazing to see the growth of the game of sevens there. Obviously, I am the sevens player predominantly, play 15s, but. To see the fact how much Sevens is able to grow and with the audience, it's um it was something that I wanted to be involved with the PR Sevens. Um, yeah, I enjoyed the first outing. Results didn't go as well as we would have liked, but um, yeah, the concept works really well. And yeah, looking to hopefully get back out there in uh, San Jose and get another get a win.
0: Yeah, I want to say it's a real treat. The fact that PR Sevens got you to come over, amazing. Because you and I were chatting a little while back, and you're like, ah, oh, the hamstrings—they've gone, they've gone this long. I'm gonna I'm gonna take it easy for a while. So it's so good to see you back
3: out on the pitch yeah no it was um i don't know if it's the right decision yet i'll, I'll see you next weekend <laughs> I can actually out some speed from my from the old legs but uh no like again it's has involved again in a team is pretty cool and as you said like the loonies has got a male and a female team and we i thought we jelled really well as a group like on and off field um and yeah it was good, good fun running out there for the loonies as well
1: dad it's been so nice to have you join Looney nation it's year three for me but uh to have somebody of your stature and and representing Great Britain coming over and and playing was class. What are your thoughts on the dramatic PR7s knockout format, similar to what you played in the Rugby World Cup 7s at Cape Town last year?
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it works well as a concept for the the growth of the game of 7s in in America, North America. I think it works well getting crowds in, making a really nice entertainment factor rather than being solely about rugby. For me as a player, obviously I haven't played in a year and only getting two games, I, I didn't get myself into position where I wanted to really perform, where I could perform, sorry. But I think yeah, it adds a real nice element of having to perform from the first game. And again, we were off the pace in our first game, didn't get to the finals. But yeah, it's a nice opportunity for us again this weekend to uh, get a chance, to try and get ourselves into that final and push on to potentially for Washington as well. Yeah, exactly. We can't wait to see that happen. Now, I want to touch on, obviously, your career. Uh, a
0: remarkable, sparkling one. You know, over 90 events in the series, Rugby World Cup Sevens, Commonwealth Games, Olympics, a record 358 tries in the series. I remember I got a chance to interview you at your last tournament in Vancouver at the Sevens. Very emotional, of course, your career had come, come to a, a close. If you look back, you know, what, what kind of moments come to mind? What kind of moments stand out to you, Dan?
3: I think um, the wins are always up there. I think they... so winning my first tournament in London 2009 so probably pre half the kids who are watching this before their births. um winning that in a, my kind of my first year third tournament like getting on in, in the final and scoring a try to take it next time was pretty pretty amazing to look back on having my family and friends there i think the the years around 2016 and 2018 those kind of years were really cool like we would the team was kind of going really well we had the olympics we hit a few finals we won a few finals as well and they add to kind of the whole journey of, of sevens. But I, I think looking back the whole 12 years and just seeing the development and the change of the whole, of the whole series is, is really exciting and it's really cool to be evolved in. Yeah, that's amazing. I, at the end of my career in 2009 is when you
0: came onto the series and uh, you really had Ben Gollings in the middle controlling things, but i never forget. It normally was, he would go wide to the wing, he would follow in the middle of the field, the wing would pass it back and he would score. When you came, he would go wide and then you would score. <laughs>
3: Uh, yeah no I think Ben got a little bit annoyed that that was happening but no he still he still managed to get his points and get his his tournaments there so um but no like learning off those guys coming in so like Damu Damu yeah uh BG as well Bengalin so yeah those guys were awesome to obviously to learn off and obviously watching them play for a number of years before that and then being thrust into it in 2009 like it was it was mental going from being in the UK and flying out and getting used to the 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 time difference of New Zealand um but yeah like it was a, it was a cool start to my to my playing career sevens
1: and Dan, how have you evolved as a world-class finisher over your career on the wing what and what advice would you give to up-and-coming flyers who are out there listening to become a complete player
3: yeah, I think it, it's taken time. Like, I've, I've failed quite a lot. I've I've, I've missed a lot of tackles that lost us a few games. Um, but at the same time, I've scored a few tries to win us a few games too. So it's just the part and parcel of sevens. Like, it's just working on my weaknesses and understanding with that with the coaches and the areas to improve. But then it's also not forgetting your strengths. And for me, it's running fast and getting excited about those strengths. And rather than understanding and taking more time of the weaknesses like your strengths are pretty unique and exciting so like a perry baker he's had to improve a lot of his other skills as well which aren't which he hasn't learned when he was growing up but i think for him he's got such a natural ability of actually beating people if you can hone those skills and you can work really hard and get excited by utilizing them in the game then i think it's quite an exciting prospect and again amazing for everybody watching as well
1: and i always love like you know when when there's a new fast guy uh... On the World Series, and they're like, they're the fastest person in their country, <laughs> and then they they try and beat a Fijian, or they try and run past you. It's like, hey, well, you need a few more tricks in your bag. You can't just use your gas at that level because everybody's fast, and likely everybody's faster than you. And that's one thing that I really admired about you is you're the complete complete finisher. You can you can use your speed, you can use your foot, you can slow down and create, you can slow down and fake and create, and then you can go again. And so for me, you always have control on the edge, and that's that really causes a lot of a lot of challenges for your opposition and then my next question is what what standards have you upheld to be the most consistent consistent finisher of all time on the world series on and off the
3: field on and off the field okay i I think with your your initial bit yeah i think i had to find a way to evolve because like just being like just being fast doesn't make you that consistently on the series and i think it, it came through the evolution of seven so we spent more time doing sevens specialist kind of coaches came in we had to work and keep improving otherwise i'd lose my position in the team so i knew my weaknesses how i can how i wanted to improve them to stay in the team and better the team and yeah i think it's the stuff on the field has been just individual work on so end the sessions uh the side of training like spending more time of like honing my skills and really utilizing that time and really being it's like sometimes you can throw the ball around on the side of the pitch and you don't really always get the the same outcome it's actually having deliberate practice and also having good teammates so I had for me I had Tom and obviously the the other winger in the team and we used to compete really well and and push each other really hard and that, that was obviously a good thing for me because it replicated playing on the World Series so those things really pushed me off field I think the main thing with the psychological point of view like sevens is brutal like playing three games in day one, three games day two, like waking up day two feeling terrible. Like it, it's mental torture there rather than physical as, as much as it is. And that kind of by the end of my career, the physical, the mental bit was probably the hardest bit. And just traveling to get back up to another game, up to another game, another game. And I think if you can stay at the top there, so the Kiwi team is pretty good example of consistency, consistently staying at the top and always having a mentality to win that's what kind of gives you the edge and that mentality is probably the biggest part now because all teams are spending more time doing sevens and they're fit and strong and fast they have different players but how can you actually mentally be that kind of that whole one percent and actually win those real close moments and they're probably the the pivotal bits of what i probably missed out on a bit um through my career yeah, no, it's great insights. Um, I want to touch on quickly something you said
0: about like going against Perry Baker. So we always love it as in the commentary booth, as as uh, Robin was saying, it's a one on one matchup. And and again, it depends who gets the ball and who it got the outside edge. So if you look back, who would you say were one or two of the hardest wings you've played against in terms of very tough for you to track down and
3: you knew, okay, you're in for a real battle in this game. Uh yeah, so Perry was obviously up there again. His his speed, like the fact that he was probably the only player, obviously apart from Carlin, he would literally run straight at you and then just run around you, and then you had to like wait because if you obviously moved out, he steps inside and in scores. So you had to like be really honest with him. So he's really, really difficult to play against, and we had some really good battles. He beat me more times than I probably beat him. Um, Carlin as well, like. If he wasn't 110%, like, with your speed, he's just going to go around you and burn you. So you had to really understand your inside kind of players and how they were working together to really close that space. But for him, he was just trying to take away as much time as possible. Ciabello Sinatla as well, like, he had speed, feet, everything, and he was um, a hard, hard task to play against because him in space with, like, 10, 50 minutes on the side was, yeah, it was up there with some of the hardest. I had a torrid time against Frank Kalai. So the Kiwi guy, he yeah. chipped my tooth and me out a few times trying to tackle the big 120-kilo winger. So, um, but yeah, I think it is probably those three or four guys. They talked with me for a few years. But um, yeah, like that's kind of where when you are defending, it's it's hard. But you get excited to think now it's my chance to actually try and show them showcase them my skills because you can't always be scared of actually them coming at you. You have to be like, fine, now it's my time to try and shut them up.
0: Yeah, at least when I was playing sweeper, it was okay to let somebody, you know, get past you because you're just one person by yourself. But when you're on the wing, you know, you're in the line, you have to make that tackle. Yeah, there's some great battles. All right, let's talk about a bit off the field. So I've seen you at some of the events recently. You were ambassador on the Seven Series as well. What's life been like, you know, since you announced your retirement?
3: Yeah, it's been weird and wonderful. Like, it's been really nice being back involved with with, um, an ambassadorial point of view with the Sevens and seeing it from the other side of the line. It's been a bit tough to watch at times and watching GB and those guys playing because obviously I want to be out there and competing. But I'm an old man now, um, but I'm enjoying the direction of where Sevens is going. Like it's got an amazing opportunity over the next couple of years to really grow into something really cool. Like it probably hit a massive bust and a massive pop kind of into the Olympics 2016. Then obviously COVID and everything else involved in sport kind of tail off a little bit. But I think the way that they're trying to rebrand for next season, I think it's really exciting to see where it can go and how they can really incorporate fans and in the engagement that way. And I think it's something that really needs to be done because as much as there's a there's a spectacle on the field, it's the fans which are then growing and watching players and seeing those guys. So I think it's quite exciting to see where the sermons can go. But yeah, like transition out of rugby is pretty hard. Like you want to think you play forever. It's now they're trying to find roles which excite me and which are something that i'm used to and potentially something pretty new but yeah it has been a bit tough at times but i'm enjoying back playing again and playing a few games this weekend and hopefully in a few weeks as well yeah that's so great and also i want to say it was so nice having you in the commentary booth as well getting your insights there was, was really special yeah no commentary is a, a, a tough ass like you have to have the uh the gift of the gab and you do unfortunately i don't at times and my tongue's a bit too big for my mouth at times but uh now it is cool going out there and actually like i said giving a bit of insight and talking i love talking rugby so um yeah it was good fun
1: back to the pr sevens you faced the winners from minnesota the rocky mountain experts what are your thoughts ahead of the sem- semi-final class this weekend in san jose i don't
3: i don't want to say too much to give away the tactics but <laughs> now i think i think for us like i they see a difference from the west and the east conference um the west we like the defense was probably a lot Tougher for us, and we defended really, really well. Same on both all four teams, and obviously there's a lot more tries in the in the east. So I don't know if that's the weather or what everything else, but I think defensively it's it was really tough for the guys like out there, and tries are hard to be scored. For us, it's we gave away a lot of um, turnovers and errors and tries for ourselves. So I think if we nail that and we really concentrate on actually making sure we don't give away the ball too cheaply and try and work teams and go in a few phases. And I think we'll get some good wins. And they're a big team. So you have to try and find a way of actually trying to um, take away their strength as well. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, they're the finalists. It's a challenge for us. If we get to a final, if we can win that, then maybe we get a chance to get into Washington, depending on the results. So game one, see how that goes. Then game two, so wherever that may be. But yeah, looking forward to being back with the boys in the group and and enjoying jet lag for the next four or five days as well.
1: Well, just taking a step back, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it was your first time ever playing together. I was talking; we were talking about it with uh, Coach Kelly Griffin uh, yesterday on the pod. Just, you know, it's 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 your first time, first week together, all that. And you think about how many, you know, with England or whatever team in the world it could be kids, kids football, kids soccer, right? But you train the whole season, you practice a hundred times. And then you, you know, you prepare, learn and grow, learn and grow. This is just like, boom, full into it. And, you know, I I was telling Dallin before we got on today, you know, I I probably watched 20 hours of video of two games, right? As coach. And I finally said, I'm I'm done with it. I'm done with it, right? Just, you know, because as a coach, you just want to, you just want to pour yourself into it. But at the end of the day, you know, uh, you can only control what you can control and uh, getting, you know, getting one win, I think all all eight games were won or lost by three points. So you can't overthink it. All you can control is the, you know, the first play. And that's, that's the excitement that the PR sevens brings.
3: Yeah, no, hundred percent. Like there's, there is definitely the element around obviously not being together for a long time and, or we're trying to do a bit more and a bit less and like i said we're a very new young group so yeah i think it's it's exciting and i think we've got an awesome opportunity and I, 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 the same as the other three teams every team thinks they can win it so um yeah like for us it's just going out there and enjoying playing it playing together again and hopefully we get a chance to be as a group again in washington as well
0: yeah and then north just now i forgot to ask you the final question here is how many tries of your 358 was scored by a kick
3: what percentage would you guess <laughs> I thought he was going to ask how many were in the bowl or the shield. That's also <laughs> a high percentage as well. Uh, by a kick. Oh, uh, I hated contact. So probably about 35%, 30%. So okay. yeah, no, I, I was smarter to try and kick and chase it down than I was to try and run through a wall. I don't know if that's smart or dumb, but um it worked for me most times. No,
0: it, so it worked fun. brilliantly. I was going to say closer to 70% because my image in my head is you running somebody or stepping somebody, and then it's a beautiful little chip over the top. Uh, <laughs> and, li- and listen, because you know, when we were younger playing rugby, the coaches, you just say, don't kick the ball. Did you get that at all when you were younger?
3: No. So, like, I-, I think it was more so from when I joined the Sevens and I had Ben Ryan as a coach, the so kind of 2008-9 season. And I remember playing against Argentina and he then said they had a guy called Santi uh, Gomez-Cora and he kicked the ball a lot. I think it's something that you can really utilize in your game. So he was the one who kind of kind of gave me the opportunity and kind of a skill I kind of softly worked on. And out of fear, it worked more times than not. So, um, yes, shout out to Ben, obviously, for giving me that kind of insight and helping me on that path as well. Oh, That's
0: awesome. And Santi is one of our good friends as well. So that's really cool. Listen, yeah, Nortz, we want to, yeah, so good. We want to thank you so much for your time. All the best in this Western Conference final coming up. We can't wait to see you Cobb there. And then if all goes well in DC, so no pressure. You need to win a couple of games this weekend. <laughs>
2: thank
0: you, guys. Thank you very much. Nicely, hope to see you over the weekend. Take care. Awesome. Thanks so much, Nortz. Lovely stuff. Thanks, guys. Down the man. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Sevens Roller Coaster. Visit pr7s.com to buy tickets to the five tournaments in 2023. Austin, Texas, June 17th. Minneapolis, Minnesota, June 24. San Jose, California, July 15th. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, July 23. And the PR7s Championship on August 6. Connect with us on social media PR7s and watch any of the previous tournaments on the Premier Rugby 7s YouTube channel. See you next time, your sleek sensations.